Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello, No Rain Date listeners. My name is Johnny Hart, and I'm a reporter here at Sock and Source and the producer of the No Rain Date podcast. Josh is gone this week on a much-deserved vacation, so I'm going to step in and bring you guys our biggest headlines for the week ending September 17th. In development-related news, we reported on a pretty big announcement that came from this Tuesday's Hellertown Planning Commission meeting in which local developers Greystone Capital presented plans for a 142-unit apartment complex. This is at the former site of Neighbors Home and Garden, which is located at 42 Main Street. So it's a a 5.5-acre lot, and it's going to look quite different if this type of development were done on it. What they're proposing is to build three four-story high apartment buildings, and each one of these apartment buildings will contain between 46 and 50 apartments each, and they will be in the neighborhood of around 50,000 square feet each. The plans they presented at the meeting also included extensive parking to accommodate all these units. They showed diagrams which accounted for, I think it was 207 spaces. Some of those would be covered. And in our story, we have a couple diagrams that show the buildings and the parking spots. The developers also brought up plans to construct a pedestrian bridge on the rear of the property. This would then connect their property to the Saucon Rail Trail. That's the whole idea of building the bridge there. They wanted to capitalize on their proximity to the Saucon Rail Trail. So that would make the rail trail accessible not only for the residents of this new apartment complex, but also if you, I believe you can access that bridge from Hellertown's Tumanello Park as well. So I believe just the general public would be able to get on the trail at that point then as well. They also mentioned possibly adding a second trail access point that would run through the property, but I guess there's some things they need to work out with that still, so that was just something they were mentioning at this point. The large majority of these apartments are going to be studio or one-bedroom apartments. The main market these developers are after, they kept bringing up the term young professionals. So they're looking for you know younger people that have the money for a you know studio or one-bedroom apartment and that don't necessarily want roommates. They brought that up a couple times in their deliberation. And this all came from the a video on Facebook. If you follow or if you like the Hellertown Borough on Facebook, they upload and they actually stream all of their meetings on there. So you could watch the video on Facebook to get a more in-depth answer from the developers as to why they're trying to go after that particular market. But that is who they're going after is young professionals. And they described it as a barbell market. So they think there is also interest from the older population too, older single people who would be interested in these units as well. Because of that, the majority of the apartments in this complex will be one-bedroom or studios. Like I said, about 80% is what they said at the meeting on Tuesday. And then the remaining units would be two-bedroom apartments and then what they call two-bedroom premium apartments, which are just slightly bigger two-bedrooms. There's a commercial aspect as well to this development. There are plans to keep existing buildings that are already there, the stone buildings closest to Main Street. They said they wanted to keep two of the stone buildings and then the barn as well that you can see from Main Street. And they want to utilize those for commercial space or at least part of those for commercial space. I saw a couple comments on Facebook from people hoping they would keep those stone buildings and it looks like they are going to keep a couple of them at least. 
So that's pretty much the main nuts and bolts of the development at this point and what they're proposing. This was in the very preliminary stages, so no formal action was really taken by the Hellertown Planning Commission. They were more so just listening to the developers and providing feedback, asking questions and providing comments and that sort of thing. Because this property is currently in the shopping center zone, the article discusses the next steps that would need to be taken for development to happen there, but essentially if development can't happen as is right now, there would have to be some action taken by borough council to allow this sort of development to happen. And it's we explain that in the story. It's a little bit confusing. I think it's a little bit easier just to read that part. We have a quote from Chris Russo, who is the borough's zoning and code enforcement officer. So this is very much in the early stages, but it is obviously a big announcement, and we will continue to follow it and keep you all updated on what happens with that. The next Hellertown Planning Commission meeting isn't until October 12th. At that same meeting, the Planning Commission also voted unanimously to recommend a candidate to fill their last vacant seat. The candidate is a woman by the name of Liz Thompson, who is a resident of the borough and has lived in Hellertown for the last eight years. She works as a project manager currently. She has some military experience. She served in the Marine Corps for eight years. And so if you watch the video of the meeting, you can see some of her comments. We also have a story about her appointment, and you can read some more information about Liz in that story. She's not actually appointed to the planning commission yet. Borough Council is the one who actually makes that call. The process just happened actually around a month ago when Larry O'Donnell was appointed to the commission because they had two vacant seats. And with Liz's appointment, if that happens from borough council, she will fill that second vacant seat and they will be back to full capacity. So we're rooting for Liz and you know we'll be following along with the planning commission and we wish them all well as they move forward. The other matter that came up at the planning commission was related to the borough's facade grant program. Mayor David Heinzelman presented plans to utilize the program to fund a sign on the front or sort of like the side of his Lehigh Valley animal crematory business, which is on Front Street. And that was approved by members of council. The sign costs around $4,800. We have the information for that as well in the Liz Thompson story. So you can read a little bit more about that sign there. Some other exciting Hellertown news that we reported on this week is related to the Saucon Valley Spirit Parade, and it is scheduled to make its return this October. The parade hasn't been held since 2018. In 2019, it was canceled due to inclement weather. Last year, COVID, as it did with many events, forced the parade to be canceled as well. So it is scheduled to return this October, October 24th at 2 p.m. And we have all the details about registering for the parade in our story. We're hoping for good weather so that they can have a good parade this year. Obviously, the community misses it from not having it the past two years. The theme for the parade is a fitting one. It's Happy Days Are Here Again, and you can register for multiple judging categories, including the theme category, but the other categories you can register for are individual, group, and float. Additionally, the mayor provided me with a list of some of the bands who are scheduled to participate in this year's Saucon Valley Spirit Parade. So far, they have confirmed the Saucon Valley High School Marching Band, marching bands from Moravian University, 
Brockle Middle School, Nichman Middle School, and Northeast Middle School, and they've also confirmed at this point that the Uptown String Band will be participating in the event as well. Also related to the parade, which we mentioned in our story, is they are accepting candy donations at the Hellertown Post Office. They are being accepted during lobby hours, and there's a bin there, and it's apparently pretty obvious if you just go into the post office, they will direct you where to donate your candy, but they're accepting unexpired Halloween candy donations through October 23rd, and that candy is used for a candy refill station, which is something that they've done at the parade in years past, where along the route they refill the participants of the parade and the people on the floats and stuff with some more candy. So that's where that donated candy would be going towards. In police news, we had a story on the site this week about the state police looking for help from the public in identifying the operator of a car that they believe might be involved in a fatal accident that happened on I-78. This happened the morning of Thursday, September 9th at approximately 10.15 a.m. It was at mile marker 58, which is in the vicinity of uh, the city of Allentown in Lehigh County. So there's a picture of the car in our story that's on the site right now. It is a Subaru. They believe it's either a four-store or an Outback. It's a dark red or maroon kind of color. But like I said, there's a picture on the story that you can see the car, and they're just looking for information. If anyone is familiar with that car, there is information for the tip line and how you can pass along information to the state police. The police said that the vehicle may or may not have minor damage from the collision. So you're not even necessarily looking for a car like that with a lot of front end damage or anything like that. They said it might have minor damage or even none at all. But all that information is in our story. And finally, in some sports and outdoor activity-related news, we reported on a championship that is being held in the borough of Hellertown this weekend. It's probably not the most well-known championship. This championship is for the sport of disc golf, which is, as its name implies, very much like regular golf, just played with discs or frisbees, as many people know them. But this is an event being held by the Disc Golf Pro Tour. It's happening at Steel Club. They actually have an 18-hole disc golf course at Steel Club, but this event will actually be taking place on a modified course that has been built specifically for this event. But it's called the Disc Golf Pro Tour Match Play Championships. And disc golf works similar to the professional golf tour, if you're familiar with the PGA Tour, in that it's just a series of events that take place on weekends throughout the year. So much like that, disc golf has their own tour that takes place throughout the season. And this weekend's event at Steel Club is coming at the tail end of that season. So as the name implies, it is a championship event. It's a match play championship, which is a little bit different from the golf format that I think most people are familiar with, which is called stroke play, in which at the end of a couple rounds, usually four, the lowest score wins. In match play, you're actually playing head-to-head against your fellow competitors in a bracket system. So there's 16 men that were invited to this event and eight women. And it is, you know, they invited the top 16 and the top eight women to this event. And they finalized the bracket based on, you know, who responded to those invitations. So that's what's going on this week. It kicked off on Thursday with practice rounds mainly. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is when they're getting into head-to-head tournament action bracket play. So I actually just came back from there. I'm recording this Friday early afternoon, and it's a really cool event. It's set up very well. 
you can easily you know navigate it and it's it's a 12 hole layout and it is a little bit spread out there's a lot of hills that you kind of have to traverse so you know you'll want to wear your, your hiking shoes or your walking sneakers if you plan on making it down but it's it's a cool event if you're familiar with golf at all I think it's fun to watch and it's very similar to that there's a decent crowd I would say you know a couple hundred people probably were there today and there's all sorts of merchandise and sponsorship tents and stuff so you can buy discs and you can buy merchandise and t-shirts and stuff like that there's also vendors there it looks like there's places to get food and drinks so it's a pretty cool event and tickets are available for it. It's $20 for the general admission tickets for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's rounds. So if you have any interest in that, I would I would definitely recommend going and checking it out. It seems to be a well-run event and the championship on Sunday should be pretty fun to watch. Like I said, it's head-to-head competition. So I think that could make it a little bit more interesting than perhaps just watching like a usual stroke play event. If you make it down Sunday for the championship rounds, you'll just be watching two golfers in each of those events. So the top two men and the top two women, you'll just be following them around the course with the rest of the gallery. And I think it'll be a pretty cool event on Sunday. So definitely check that out if that sounds like something that would interest you. So thank you for listening to the roundup this week. Josh will be back to deliver you guys the news next week, but it was a pleasure speaking with our listeners this week. And next up, we are going to have Reef give you a breakdown of this weekend's matchup between the Saucon Valley Panthers when they will travel to take on Wilson in their first Saturday game of the season. Hey, Panther fans, Reef here to give you a little scouting report preview of the Saucon Valley Panthers Saturday afternoon matinee with the Wilson Warriors. Saucon Valley will travel to Wilson for this 1 p.m. kickoff. The Panthers currently hold a 1-2 record. Saucon is coming off a tough loss up at Pottsville, 35-7. In addition, the Panthers fell to Notre Dame, 47-20. Notre Dame is currently undefeated at a 3-0 record. Saucon did have some success with a 31-14 win over Salisbury. Salisbury winless so far on the season. For those of you keeping track at home, points for Saucon Valley, 41. Points against, 96. Saucon's three opponents currently have a combined record of 4-5. On the Warriors' side of things, they are 3-0, undefeated. They started their season with a couple of mercy rule wins. Week 1 at home versus Penargel. The Warriors won 47-14. Penargel's currently 0-3. Then they shut out Palisades Week 2 by a 47-0 score. Palisades carries a 1-2 record with their lone win over winless Penargel. Last week, the Warriors had to work a little bit out the Heighton, but still won convincingly 42-21. Lee Heighton currently has a 1-2 record. For the Warriors, points for 136 points against 35 Wilson's three opponents have a combined 2-7 record. How about Wilson's offense versus Salkin's defense? Schematically, Wilson runs a gun-spread offense. They like to stretch the field and attack the perimeter and are unafraid to throw the ball downfield. Wilson averages 45 explosive points per game. The Panthers have shown to give up 32 points per game. The Warriors have four senior studs to watch out for. They have a quarterback, two wide receivers, and a running back who are fantastic. Wilson has a whole lot of speed. All four members of their 2021 District 11 record-breaking 4x100 relay team are meaningful starters. Two receivers, one running back, and a free safety made up that 4x100 team. Wilson is led by the Simpsons. 
Seeing your twin brothers Damon and Damian Simpson, that is, they carry much of the offensive load. Running back number three, senior Damian Simpson, is listed at 5'10", 180. He averages seven point yards per carry in his high school career. He's also a very dangerous kick returner. Damon Simpson, number seven, is a wide receiver and is listed at 5'10", 175. He has 33 receptions, 682 yards for his career. That amounts to 20.7 yards per catch. Both of these boys are quicker than a hiccup and have been terrorizing Colonial League defenses so far this season. Quarterback number 12, senior Caden Stem, listed at 6'2", 215, is a super solid quarterback who spreads the wealth all around for the Warriors. Stem is close to 4,000 career yards passing and closing in on 50 career touchdown passes. Stem also registered 239 career rushing yards prior to this season, but this year it seems he is more dual threat than ever. At 6'3", 215, and with decent athleticism, it is understandable why the Warrior staff is running him. Wide receiver number two senior Zach Gillen is listed at 5'8", 175. Prior to this season, Gillen had 99 receptions, good for 1,530 career yards and 18 touchdowns. He is as reliable and dependable as they come. He may be a little on the small side, but he is a very good football player. The Wilson offense seems to be clicking on all cylinders and will be tough to stop. Panther linebackers Jared Roan, Ty Fizemare, and Ty Sensitz are Salkin Valley's leading tacklers so far this season, and they, along with the rest of the Panther defense, had better be ready to rock and roll to try to slow down this high-octane Warrior offense. How about Wilson's defense against that Panther offense? The Warriors run a 3-4 cover zero defense and have been pretty good giving up an average of only 12 points per game, including that shutout over Palisades. It seems the Warriors want to stuff the run by keeping seven in a box at all times while using all their speed to play man-to-man on their opponent's receivers. The Panthers' offense only averages 14 points per game at this point, so it is not going to be terribly easy to put up points against these Warriors. Wilson does have their share of two-way players, including the Simpsons, Gillen, and quarterback Caden Stem. Senior Eric Schunk, number 11 at 6'2", 175, is the Warriors' leading tackler returning from last year. He has 80 tackles documented total on max preps for his career. Like Stem, Shunk plays outside linebacker. The Salkin Valley offense, of course, is led by number 12, dual threat Dante Mahaffey. He's a senior. He has 2,576 career passing yards and 27 touchdowns. He has 1,454 rushing career yards and 28 TDs. He's a good one. Number 21, Damien Garcia. He's a senior also. He has 1,630 career rushing yards, averaging 7.5 yards per carry. He has 13 touchdowns. So far this season, he's averaging 5.7 yards per carry with three touchdowns. Number 11, Ty Sensitz is also a senior for the Panthers. He'll be everywhere. For his career, 49 catches, 867 yards, 17.7 yards per average catch. He has eight touchdowns for his career. He doesn't have any touchdowns yet this season, and he's 11 catches for 150 yards. Number three, Alex Magnata for the Panthers. He's a junior. He's somebody to watch out for at 6'3", 195 pounds, with long arms and great catching ability for his career. Again, he's a junior, 31 catches, 437 yards, six touchdowns. So far this year, Magnata has eight catches for 130 yards and one TD. 
Salkin Valley will rely upon their offensive line, including Cody Swinney, Jack Maruchak, and Owen Frederick to protect Mahaffey and give him a little time to throw, as well as creating running lanes for Garcia and the other Panther runners. So what it comes down to here is Wilson has speed to burn, and they are not shy about showcasing it. The Panthers will not want to let this game turn into a shootout. Salkin will have to be exceptionally disciplined and tackle well in space defensively. Offensively, the Panthers will have to be very patient and methodical. Three yards and a cloud of dust, maybe. It looks like it's going to be a great afternoon for some high school football. The forecast is calling for partly cloudy skies with temperatures right around 80 and light winds out of the northwest. So, Panther fans, pack your sunglasses, load up your car, and make the trip over to Wilson Area High School. Kickoff, again, is scheduled for 1 p.m. This is going to be a great afternoon for some high school football. Good luck, Panthers. The source is with you. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service, and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community, and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels, and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so, and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online, and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members, and thank you for considering becoming a future member. This week on No Rain Date, we are thinking fall thoughts. Fall is right around the corner, and so we thought it would be fun to highlight a fall-related business and something also that's new to the area. This is going to be happening at Old Stone Farm in Williams Township, and I'm excited to be joined by the owners, Jim and Amy Cook. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having us today. Yep, thank you. I was driving through the township and saw a, a big sign for your your harvest days, which are going to be held on weekends in October. And essentially, you're going to have a corn maze. You're going to have other fall activities. And I want to get into describing everything that you're going to have going on. But I thought first maybe we could talk a little bit about the farm itself and the history because it's been in your family for a few generations, yep, right? Yep, it's a third generation farm. My grandfather had it. My grand, my original grandmother had actually 
moved into that farm when she was very young. Her parents were killed in an accident, and she was sent there. And then my grandfather eventually married into married her, and okay. became, became part of the Tuck Farm at that point. So we're the third generation. It was an active, full active dairy many years ago. Unfortunately, the cows were sold like a lot of dairy farms have, mm-hmm. you know. But um, yeah, the cows were gone, and some land got sold to families. Things typical stories of farms, but. I was very fortunate in 2001, after my grandfather had passed away, that he wanted me to retake it back over again. So, moved back in. It's been a long, slow build back up to where we're at today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, well, three generations. That's probably at least 60 years or something. We're or? actually approaching almost 100. Wow. The way the dates go, we're actually considering applying soon for a century farm. Oh wow. We're almost there. Yeah. So at this point, you primarily just grow crops on the farm. Yep, yep. We, you know, we your typical corn, soybeans, wheat, oats, rye, and we make hay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hay and straw is really what a lot of people know him for. So we constantly have people stopping by for straw and hay, and that's how we know a lot of the people in the animal community, goats and horses and chickens, things right. like that. Right, yep. Right, goats are always hungry. And, <laughs> there's a, and there's a lot of them in the area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, every every Christmas now is like a big deal. The, the Christmas trees for the goats, like because they like to chew on the, oh, okay. the discarded Christmas trees, I oh, guess, yeah. and like so people are always collecting those for them. Well, you're right on Robsville Road, yeah, and sort in a beautiful beautiful area. Is that Stouts Valley? Yeah, Stouts Valley. It's really pretty gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sort of in between Hellertown and Easton, like if you're going the back way, yep. <laughs> is how I would describe exactly. it. No, that's... Um, um, yeah. But near Morgan Hill Road, which I think a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. And how, about how many acres do you have? We own about 90 acres there. Okay. Yeah, it's my parents live across the street yet, and they own a parcel, and we own the other parcel, so... When you were growing up, did you think you would become like a farmer for your career? Or? You know, it's interesting. I it was in my blood from day one. There's no doubt about it. But um, I didn't think I actually had a shot at it. Just because honesty. of the way things were going with because the- of the way the the farm kind of went wayside and things got sold and land went away. You know what I mean? I, I really. As much as I wanted to do it, I didn't think I had a shot at it. So I always worked full, you know, always had jobs all along. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know, when I moved back in, I just kind of started slowly building up a couple acres here just to, just because I had to do it. It was who I was, you know. Mm-hmm. Somehow it turned into where we are today. I mean, unfortunately, we're, you know, we're farming about 220 acres, you know, a lot of rented ground around. And, mm-hmm. and now we're at the point where we're ready to try this. So yeah. I, I'm not sure how we got here, but somehow we did and it's it's pretty awesome and we're i mean we're we're blessed to have the opportunity to even try it yeah (laughs) well like it is great land i guess i mean for for this area especially oh yeah historically it's a beautiful farming valley it really is and it really is it's a nice valley i mean you know it's it's tough for people who've been there for a while like me because we've seen you know you've seen houses come in and things change so you know what it used to be you know, I look at the amount of ground that my grandfather farmed when we were younger, and it's a lot's changed, but mm-hmm. it's just, that's just life. That's what happens, so. Yeah, right around <laughs> the corner, there's sort of a newer development, I think, yeah. mm-hmm. um, of yeah. very beautiful homes, but I'm sure that's always sort of, in the background, the pressure of development. Or, Extreme. 
you know, it's one of the hardest parts about trying to farm it. Well, in this valley, really, any anywhere in this East Coast, it's mm-hmm. the pressure for land is so high. Right. You know, and the value, uh, non-farm value, is so crazy high. It's 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 hard. I mean, unless you own it, you know, you're held to other people who are willing to not sell for big money and rent rent it to someone like me or someone else. So, fortunately, there's a lot of it that's still there and has been preserved. So. Mm-hmm. You, know, you hope you can keep going for a while with it. Yeah, right in our valley there, there's a lot of preserved farmland, and we preserved what maybe four we have, years ago. Four? Yeah, about four years yeah, ago, we, we preserved preserved through the county. Ours was open space, right? Yeah, yeah. we if or the town ours is a little different. Yeah, we, yeah. There's there's farmland preservation, which a lot of the, a lot of the ground is in, and then we actually preserved some through an open space program through our township with county and state funding also. Yeah, through DCMR. Different, it's yeah. different guidelines, but that was because the property we preserved was mostly woods. Right. So there's different guidelines there, but still going to be there forever. <laughs> well, that's great news. I mean, I'm a big fan of open space preservation. <laughs> it's It's preserving the character of our area, and it's also maintaining the affordability of the area because more development typically boosts taxes and has lots of other (laughs) unwelcome side effects economically and you know i I guess there are always two sides to an issue but preservation overall seems to be like more more community minded as as very much strategy it's very much so i mean the reality is once once land's gone it it's gone yeah you know i don't begrudge anyone if they're hard up and they need the money if that's the case then okay and the people who buy those houses and build on them, well, hey, that, that opportunity was presented to them. You can't hold that against anyone like that. It's just, it's hard when you see a family, you know, when you were born in a family that you saw land disappear and it's full of houses now, it's it's a bitter pill to swallow some days. <laughs> I can <laughs> You know, because you know what that was and what, you know, what could have been being produced on that land, you know? Yeah. But it's it's the reality of the world we live in, so... My grandfather grew up on a farm in New Jersey in Hunterdon County, and it's not a farm anymore. It's still rural there, though. And, like, it's amazing to hear the stories that he tells about, like, life on the farm. This was in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't even have electricity, you know, yet when he was <laughs> born. But he learned so much, and he went on to go to college and graduate school and everything, but just as far as like you know taking care of animals and mm-hmm. you know like it's like a he's speaking another language almost <laughs> to me because like i'm a city guy i grew up in well bethlehem but you know totally different upbringing and you know it makes me nostalgic you know almost for for something like that to yeah. have a childhood like that is amazing i mean you think about it in a way like my grandfather it blows my mind when i think about it but he farmed with horses Mm. I mean, he had teams of horses when wow. he was there, and then he drove for the neighbor farm. He drove a, a milk truck route. Like that's not that long ago. No, right. That's you know yeah. less than three generations ago. That's where it, it was, and where we are now. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> so you must have to have like a lot of equipment to do what you do, and I mean, is that like you're constantly maintaining that and constantly. It never ends. It's one of the hardest battles of doing it is is the the capital and the equity and the equipment that you need to do this job. Right. It's tough. Right. It's a, it's a hard battle. And you also have to contend with the elements, which are always unpredictable, especially it seems more more so lately. I mean, we have beautiful days, but then we have like 
torrential rains and yeah right have you have you had any impact from like like rain or flooding or anything like that no, nothing severe at all i mean nothing that you know to complain about no there's some of the other neighbors had some fields wash out but you know when you get these kind of rains it's going to happen you know yeah I mean, the real fear are the big major storms, you know, that could knock crops over or flatten them. Mm-hmm. You know, the heavy, really heavy winds or hails. You do, you do get concerned about them because they could put a crop on the ground in a couple hours and right. it, it could be gone. I mean, if, you know, it's the potential's there. The hazard is there. It's real. <laughs> right. You know, it's not as real as it is for the people in the Midwest. I mean, they, they contend with it a lot more often, but. It seems to be more and more of a reality around our way now. So you do you do get concerned about it because your entire, basically your entire income is out there going in the fields. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Depending on the weather. You know, it's it's kind of a crazy game we play. <laughs> well, this this past just this past week when we had Hurricane Ida, I mean the number of tornadoes like that were produced in like New Jersey and. Pennsylvania, and I think one of them was like an F five or something. That's crazy. Oh yeah, that was the one that took the dairy. Yeah, well, there was a, the biggest dairy in New Jersey oh, yeah. affected down there, Monica oh. Hill. Yes, that's yes. the one. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I, I didn't know it hit a dairy. Yeah, that was yeah. a serious tornado. They lost a lot, buildings yeah. and stores. I think two silos, I believe, came down, which means those were filled with store feed for those animals for the year. Wow. Well, well they, they at this point they were getting ready to fill them again, probably. But either way, it's a it's. It's a loss, it's, yeah. It's a major loss for... Yeah, that's that's scary, and that's... Yeah, we're not used to that, like, no. definitely in, no. in the Northeast, so... Knock on wood. Exactly. No, no tornadoes. <laughs> uh, stay away from Stouts Valley. Yes, please. Um, we all... October is normally a, a very tranquil time of year, weather-wise, and, and dry, hopefully, and... We're only a few weeks away, so tell us tell us a little bit more about how you came up with the concept for Harvest Days, and what you're going to what you're going to have, what people can look forward to. Sure. So I mean, it's really something that we've been talking about doing for, I mean, probably off and on for five or six years. We really thought about it last year, but we were so deep into the height of COVID at that mm-hmm. point in time that it was like this is just not the year to mm-hmm. to even try it. So. We, we kind of had some preliminary plans in place last year. Have some farming friends in the community that we sort of floated it to earlier this summer and said, you know, we're really thinking about making it happen this year. And mm-hmm. we're really thankful to them. They sort of gave us the push, like, you guys should do it. There's, a, there's such a need for something like that in our area. So we knew, you know, the corn maze would, would be sort of like the main highlight. And we wanted to sort of bring in other activities and things around the corn maze. So keeping it agricultural focused, we're going to be doing the tractor pulled hay rides. Mm-hmm. We're going to have pumpkins, mums, games, snacks. Our friends from Oldwell Farm are going to be bringing their goats, so we're going to have some animals there. Everybody <laughs> likes to have animals. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and we know that people like photos, right? So right. One, of the, one of the highlights or one of the fun things that we're pretty excited about is just putting different photo ops inside the maze. So people have to go through and find the different photo ops, and we've been you know, sort of brainstorming fun ideas that we think yeah. people are going to like and it's going to make them want to, you know, search out all those dead ends in the maze to... I don't yeah. think you're going to have to twist too many arms <laughs> to, to, to make them want to find those photo ops. We hope so. <laughs> we're trying to get the most out of because it's a smaller maze. It's not very big, so we're trying to make the most out of it to give people, you know, as much as they can get out of it for their time there. So 
Right. Exactly. And I should mention you'll be open Saturdays and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's right. Yep. And the last corn maze entry and hayride will be at 4.30 p.m. So this is a daytime activity. Correct. Right. Correct. We are... Gets dark out there at night. Yes, it yeah. does. <laughs> well, we are we are entertaining. Maybe doing one night, one or two nights. Maybe like a flashlight. Like a flashlight. Potent- oh, okay. Potentially we're still organizing that. That'd be fun. We're gonna. We want to get through a couple weekends and just mm-hmm. honestly see how it all goes. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. You need to like sort of gauge the turnout yes. <laughs> and and things like that. I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. Now, how do you go about? mapping out a corn maze and, cre- and then actually creating it from that so there's all kinds of ways to do it if you go online and you you're which i did i've read about all these different corn maze people who set out plans and they use gps's on mm-hmm. their phones and all that stuff and they're all great ideas and they work to be 100 percent honest with you i sketched out a plan on a piece of paper one night that i thought i might want to do and I waited until the corn was about three and a half, four feet tall that mm-hmm. I could still drive through it and mow it, but still kind of see where I was at. <laughs> and I literally, I drove in about 10 feet. I threw the piece of paper out. I threw it in my pocket. I'm like, this is worthless. And I just, <laughs> I winged it. <laughs> wow. I, and that's the honest truth. <laughs> I just. I winged. thought you were going to tell me you used some kind of no. app or. I literally know. just winged it. I, I made lefts and rights and straights where I felt. I had a base to it, and then... Um, so that sounds like something even I could do. It's, it's the truth, <laughs> I swear. Drive, you can drive a tractor. Like. So, so I did that. We let the corn grow. Friends of our friends of friends had someone come over with a drone, took pictures of us for it over, so we could see it then. And okay. Once we could see it from the top, then we could go back in and see where we could add. Right. Where I had room, you know what I mean, for some more cut-throughs or dead ends, stuff like that. So then we went back in and just, you know... And cut some more spots. So. Mm-hmm. And now that corn is how tall? Like, like I mean, it, you know, seven, for the most part, it's in that you know eight, seven foot, yeah. eight foot tall. I mean, right. some of the spots are a little lower where the the fertility in the soil isn't, isn't the best. So the corn's a little shorter some spots, but the kids will like that. So right. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, it's pretty. It's grown in pretty nice. We're yeah. pretty happy with it. Yeah, we are. I'll be honest. I took a friend through on what was it Sunday, Saturday. And I got lost in there, so I've been through there several times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably all looks the same. It does. Like, <laughs> so, um, do you have an estimate of time to get through it, like that you're going to get people? We're probably in that 35, 40 minute range. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to depend on how motivated people are to go through and find all of the photo ops. Right. We went through with friends the other day, and that was sort of the mission. Like, let's find where all the photo ops will be. And mm-hmm. it took us about 35 minutes. So yeah. if you're stopping to take pictures, you know, it might take 45 minutes, depending. You know, some people really like to pose for a lot of pictures, so that could take a few yep. extra minutes. But something right. in that neighborhood, I think. Yeah, but then we also had another set of friends try it out with their two little girls, and to them it was just a race. Yeah, they, you know they I mean? wanted well, to get through. <laughs> get through as fast as possible, so they did yeah. it like 15 minutes. Or yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's all a matter of what you, how you want to approach it and get out of it. Right, <laughs> right. And probably you won't just have families coming for photos. I'm sure like maybe like high school seniors or people that want, you know, sort of like that fall look for their photos. Or Definitely. Yep. Engagement. Yeah. Or, yeah. Know, yeah um, hopefully. Nice We're trying to come up. We have about seven different spots in the maze we're hoping to do you know come yeah. up with really good photo opportunities for people 
Right. It will be very kid friendly, though. Like you said, we've had it kid tested and approved. That's right. Yes, kid tested, kid approved. And that's really kind of our our goal. I mean, this is something that people who have small children are going to enjoy. I mean, and sure, like high schoolers can come through, whatever, have fun. But we're thinking this is going to be, you know, like the elementary school age kids that are going to get the most out of an event like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and they'll want to check out the animals, too. Absolutely. Um, Although, if I were, I mean, I am an adult, and I would go check out the animals, so. <laughs> right. Well, when I, whenever I go to any type of fair, especially in the fall, like, I always have to go through all the animal buildings and, like, Bloomsburg yeah. or They're whatever. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. The best part. Yeah. Yeah. Just makes you feel like fall on the farm. <laughs> and you, meant, you did mention Oldwell Farm. They make some great soaps, and they're going to have have that there and you like maybe a, another vendor or two friends that are you know, yeah there's, no, there's a, yeah, yeah there's also a blue barnyard farm she has a lot of different animals yeah. she's very involved jessica, in jessica. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they've both been really both both them and ty and beata you know both families there have been really helpful to us oh yeah big time. they were the ones that kind of gave us the push that we needed because yeah. i would say we are both even though he's a farmer we're both a little risk averse so mm-hmm. if yeah. somebody hadn't given us like the nudge like you should do it you yeah. should do it we might not be doing it so we have both of them to thank for that that's yeah. really they cool. get you refueled every time you talk to them you know what i mean when you're yeah <laughs> well it's nice to see that there are i mean like like sort of, sort of like a younger generation of farmers and trying new things to, to engage the community and and supporting each other yeah. like like there you have to yeah you know you really do I mean for all of us to survive <laughs> and, but there is there's an influx of people younger generations who want animals I'm, I'm amazed by the customers that come by that you know the new customers every year that have a couple goats have some chickens you know mm-hmm. have a cup you know have a couple cows in their front yard raise them for beef it's yeah, it's neat. There's it's, really it's a resurgence really, in that. There is a resurgence yeah. in it. It's, it's neat to be part of it. Yeah. I was actually walking through south side Bethlehem the other day, and there were, like, roosters running around a yard. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, guess they, I think they changed the law there or something to allow backyard backyard chickens okay. within limits, which I know has become sort of a trend in, in some cities mm-hmm. um, yep. to allow people to their own fresh eggs i guess right yep <laughs> which is which is pretty cool so the admission to the to the farm to harvest days mm-hmm. will be is it so just, it's seven dollars for the maze and then the maze includes the tractor pulled hayride okay all, all the games are free pumpkins are going to be priced as marked if people are going to buy you know bales of straw or corn stalks to decorate their porches or whatever mm-hmm. that'll be priced as well, pretty much five dollars a bale, really. Yeah, because well, that's what you normally sell yeah, them for. Yeah, so we're trying to keep it simple as possible. You know, keep it all in easy flow. So we came up with that. You know, that price seven dollars that gets you in the maze, and you know, people are welcome to go back through again if they paid. You know, what I mean, if they come out and they're like, oh, we missed something, of course right. they can go back through again. Right. Exactly. You know, and like you said, yeah, like you said, that includes the hayride and whatever we offer for sale for decorations will be priced as whatever we have on it so and then we're also going to offer snacks we're working with a couple of local bakeries to have some donuts and little pies and different stuff like that to uh you know for people to buy well we'll have bottled water and cider we're working Mm -hmm. with another Mm -hmm. local place for cider yeah we're trying to stay as local as possible with who we're using and just yeah 
you know, support all the other local businesses that are out there too. Yeah, and there's some some great bakeries like in the area that yeah. that use local produce. Like I'm sure apples and yep. pumpkins. And, Trying to keep it all right here. Yeah. Now, obviously, it's all outdoors, mm-hmm. and so people will be able to distance themselves naturally in terms of like COVID safety. Mm-hmm. Are you? encouraging or advising people anything specific regarding that? I mean, I would say we'll follow whatever the CDC guidelines are at the time. I mean, we know that situation is kind of evolving a lot right now, so it might change where they recommend masks outside. And if they do, then we'll definitely encourage people to follow those guidelines for sure. And of course, we'll have like hand sanitizer stations kind of spread throughout so that people can, you know, use those and, and stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to even bring that up but you, you it's better <laughs> to, to let people know yeah. i think ahead of time you know nope. if there are so there aren't any surprises yeah. you know but like you said it's a fluid situation and there may be surprises anyway yeah, but, <laughs> yeah it's so true you just don't know <laughs> right so but people should definitely follow you on facebook they can follow you on facebook for updates yep, yep. facebook is probably where our most up-to-date information is we do have we do have a website but i would say facebook is the best yeah. place to you know be the most up to date with everything that we're doing right and your address is 1350 robsville road That's and right. it's an eastern address correct but sort of not that close to east no per se no, just our address yeah, right. we're almost equidistant between easton and hellertown i think it's what six miles into easton seven into hellertown yeah, maybe so yeah, we're, yeah we're i right was gonna say it's there. like about a 10 12 minute drive going out of Going out like Easton Road, yeah, yeah. Far, far, yeah. it's a pretty um, straight shot. Yeah, and a lot of our listeners are very familiar with that area. So, like I said, um, you're you're right off the road, easy to find, plenty of parking. I'm yeah, assuming. we should be fine with parking. Oh yeah, yep. We have plenty should, of fields. We have yeah, we have plenty of fields. <laughs> if we get booked up where we're where the initial parking is, we have plenty of places to go. So, I would like to you know let whoever's listening know that. We are going to be offering snacks. We have been working very hard to try and find some food trucks mm-hmm. to add that to the festival. We really haven't had a whole lot of luck yet, and mm. we understand. And we understand why. I mean, it's the time of year where they're very busy, right? And we're also a brand new event, so it's hard to get someone to work with a brand new event because we have. You know, they ask how many people do you expect? Well, we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brand new I event. You know, right. So, you know, we're going to offer as many snacks as we can, but we'd like to, if we can, we can line up a, a food truck for here or there and something like that. We'll then obviously, we'll say, hey, special today, we have this truck. You'll advertise that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's the kind of stuff that we'll put on Facebook for sure. Yeah, that's a great idea because people get hungry when they're spending time outside. They, in the they do. Air. But, you know, you, to do it properly and legally, you know, you have to right. have the right people with the licenses to do right. it. So, <laughs> yeah. So. It's just funny. It seems like there's so many food trucks, but then, I mean, it is a weekend and there are a ton of events. There's a lot of full events. There really are. So we, we, we get it. We understand. We're hoping maybe there's someone out there kind of new getting going and needs mm-hmm. to get their name out and be willing to give us a try. We'll give them a try. So. Well, I'll definitely, you know, if I run across anybody, I'll, I'll let them know because I know some people in that that industry or talk talk to people um but yeah that would be that would be cool 
Well, thank you so much. I mean, and the website is oldstonefarmpa.com. That's right. And it's old with an E, O-L-D-E. Right. Thank you for mentioning that. Because <laughs> there are a couple other old that. stone farms out there, too. I oh, just yeah. There no. are. I think I was like, looking at one in Wisconsin or something. Yeah. <laughs> Not that one. Right, right. Um, and the uh, first day is October 2nd. Correct. Correct. Which yep. is a Saturday. Yep. And then... I think there are five weekends in October. There are five weekends there in October. Are. So yeah. that's Which, good. Yeah. in all honesty, when we, when we did this, we were like, four weekends. We'll do four weekends in October. You know, October, and we realized, well, hold on. There was the fifth one. <laughs> and I think that one's going to be pretty busy, too, because Halloween is that Sunday, yeah. and then yeah, so everybody's going to want to do Halloween-y fall stuff that weekend. That's why we're, we're leaning if, you know, if we feel comfortable with it and everything is going well, maybe we'll do that weekend. We'll do, like, into the Stay night open later. That'll be the flashlight night. You know, yeah, exactly. Like so we'll, we'll play that all by ear. That's, <laughs> that's when I'm going to want to go. Is, <laughs> right? Like, I want to... Maybe, like, go and see the sunset, and then, you know, it's so pretty out there. Well, thank you both, again, for, for joining us, and we're super excited for you to to have this, and we'll have to come out and get some photos and, Definitely. and uh, share them awesome. on Talk and Source. Yeah. Great. Thank, thank you, you so much for the opportunity to talk. great. Really appreciate it. Thanks. We've been recording No Rain Dates since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at sockandsource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Thank you.